Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Culinary School Stories podcast, a proud member of the Food Media Network. And this is your first time joining us today. Thanks for being here and we appreciate you listening in. We hope you become a long-time listener and subscribe to the podcast because it's free and we would love to have you as part of our community. You can subscribe through your favorite podcast app such as Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, a whole lot more, or through our website at www.culinaryschoolstories.com, which is also where we share and store all of the podcast past episodes as well as our guest bios and contact information. So be sure to check it out, culinaryschoolstories.com. So now without any further delay, I would like to introduce today's guest who has a great story to share with all of us. But to hear that story, we first have to go across the ocean to Portugal where Chef Aaron Goldstein lives and works as a teacher and entrepreneur who is dedicated towards building his customer and student skills and intuition around food and cooking. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, Colin. Thanks for having me. Great. So we got a lot to cover, but let's start out by first telling us maybe where you grew up and where you got that love of food or your love of cooking. I wish I knew where it came from, but I, I have to say it was, it was something innate in me, really, from a young age. Um, it makes me laugh because my mom used to tell people from when I was four or five years old, you wanted to be a chef, that I wanted to be a chef, right? <laughs> And it's, it, it stuck with me. And um, I don't know why. I just, I was drawn to the kitchen. I was, you know, drawn to being with my parents, helping them with the day-to-day, you know? One of the early memories, which I know is kind of cliche, was cracking eggs with my dad on like a Saturday morning, you know? And um, that kind of bled into my, you know, what I, what I wanted to watch on television, what I was fighting with my brothers and sisters for the remote was to watch, you know, Martin Yan and Julia Child. Um, and I remember even coming home from, you know, elementary school, middle, middle school, watching like Great Chefs of the World series <laughs> and, and just like being in awe and thinking to myself, man, I want to be like those people someday. Um, so I don't know where it came from. It was just me always. Um, I wish I had more from you and, and, and had like a, a particular story as to the why. Um, that's all right (laughs) now where was this where you grew up where was this where you first you know what environment were you in for food yeah so it was worcester massachusetts which honestly was an incredible backdrop to grow up in for someone that loves Mm -hmm. food because it is a diverse city there were incredible uh restaurants from all over the world if we wanted and 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 thank thankful to my i'm so grateful to my parents for introducing us to to those experiences because, you know, one Saturday afternoon, it might've been Korean downtown. Another night, it might've been Vietnamese or Indian or Thai. Wow. Um, nowadays, there's really good African. So it's like, I, I grew up just understanding and actually seeing the world through that lens, you know, that this was the world I live in. It's diverse. People are different. They're different colors and it's all awesome. And it tastes amazing. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good repertoire, you know, baseline to have when you're first starting out because now you have all these different flavors and, and ingredients that maybe someone else may not have. Absolutely. And for me, the best education is just being immersed in eating this stuff first, you know, beyond even being in the kitchen and trying to apply it to, to making this, this stuff your, your own. As you know, just tasting it is like gold. When we, when we eventually go off and try to re, you know, replicate these dishes, if you've had it, Right. Mm -hmm. If you've tasted it, you, you're there. You know, you just need to keep exploring and go. Yeah. So true. So true. So how did this develop into going to culinary school and thinking of this as a career? Did you do it in high school? Because I know there's a lot of high school programs. So you just said no. And no. something in the industry spark spark you. You know, it's it's funny because I'll never forget when I was applying for my first job in high school, which I think I was a junior. Um, I had applied for a position at a hotel in the kitchen. And then the next day. Like kind of fell into this job selling sneakers, right? <laughs> and so I, I kind of was like, and by the way, I'll, I'll say that 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 experience, that job was mm -hmm. incredible. I mean, I have lifelong friends from that experience. I learned a lot of really valuable kind of work ethics from that experience. Um, but there was that like, oh, what could have been, you know, kind of, you know, something to satisfy, right? Mm -hmm. And it lingered. And I went to, uh, I went to Northeastern in Boston for college because, you know, I didn't have friends that were going to culinary school. I wasn't in the industry yet. And although it was in the back of my mind, I went and had a, a kind of a generic college experience, which was also wonderful. And then when it came time to decide on my life, it just like, it was right there, right? And it, there was this kind of interesting, you know, night, my, uh, my friend Felipe had thrown a, a party late, very late in the year. And there was this kid that had gone to New England culinary that my friend Felipe actually, and thanks to Felipe, if you're listening, um, he grabbed when this guy was walking out the door, he was leaving the party. He said, Holly, you have to talk to my friend. And he talked to me about Necky, New England Culinary Institute. And he said, you got to go visit. And I did. I went and visited. And immediately I knew this is where I was going to apply. This is where I was going to go. And um, I have to say, from the, from the first day I walked in, I just it felt like I was coming home. Mm. You know, walking into a professional kitchen surrounded by people that love food as much as I did, it was like a homecoming. And I've never, you know, I've never looked back. Wow. So you started with the love of food and went and pursued something else in education and then found culinary school because a lot start as like dishwashers and working in the industry yeah. and then kind of go on to culinary school. You kind of did it a little, little bit differently. What did you study at Northeastern? I studied sociology and Spanish. Oh. Um, but I, but I have to say, you know, during college, like I would still throw dinner parties and I was always exploring. I was going to the markets and, you know, my, I would organize stuff for my friends. And so it was like, it was there, right? And I was expressing myself or trying to and exploring for sure all those years prior. Um, so if anyone's listening and they think that they're behind the eight ball, you know, if they didn't start young, right. you're not. Right. You know, there's, there's never too yeah, late. You can always pursue that passion, that dream. So what was it like when you got to Necky? I mean, you first went to a view, you viewed it, and then you went there. So, I mean, you must have been excited because this is your dream, but you also didn't have any professional experience at that time too. So were you a little nervous about that or no, they made it like, oh yeah, okay. I was so nervous. <laughs> yeah, I was super nervous. I was nervous, but it was like that, you know, it was those butterflies, that were that were just nervous excitement, which to me was always a good sign. Like I mm -hmm. grew up playing sports, right? And I got those butterflies before I went to the plate in Little League or before a big basketball game. But I, that was because I cared so much. Right. It's important. And I, I loved it so much, right? Um, 
So I was nervous and excited, and I was also so, so focused, and I was so ready to absorb like a sponge everything that I could. And I did. And I, I remember those like early weeks and the early homework assignments and, you know, in those books late night, um, just so excited to learn more and like, you know, learn the mother sauces and learn the technique and um, figure out how to sharpen my knives, you know, which was, was really, really hard at first, you know? Right. So yeah, those, those first days I'll never forget. They were really special. Now, what was it like with your you know, classmates? Did they already have a lot of experience? Did they help you out? Did they look down on you? How did that all dynamic work? It was a total mix. It was a total mix. And, you know, Neki, um, at the time, it was, it was small groups relatively. There were, if I remember, there were four groups of about 10. Uh, and you kind of stayed in your, uh, your group of 10 uh, through the different um, I don't remember what it was called. Modu- like the rotations or the modules. Or modules or yeah, the different rotations. Exactly. Um, and then we kind of interacted a little bit with the other groups, but um, in my, in my group, there was a mix. There was one guy in particular, Brandon, who's, who's become a lifelong friend who had a lot of experience prior. Um, he and I just kind of, we really hit it off. We were also kind of um, housemates and um he took me under his wing a little bit and I've, I will forever be grateful for that. And I really looked up to him and leaned on him a lot early on. Um, and I think he was excited because my, I, I was there and I was enthusiastic and I think that rubbed off and that excited him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's funny, those dynamics, you know, if you show up with good energy and you're just excited to learn, you're going to kind of find your, your people that, that you end up, you know, kind of collaborating with and, and, and feeling that excitement with for sure. Yeah. It's so true you mentioned that because I went to culinary school and when I did, I had already been a chef and I went there looking just for the piece of paper, thinking I knew everything already and I just needed that credibility, mm. realizing when I got there, maybe I knew how to do it. I just didn't know why. But I went there and I wasn't, you know, as enthusiastic because it was like a job, it was a continuation. And there were students like you that mentioned that came in with this fresh set of eyes looking at all this and, and it really did rub off because now I could see it through their eyes instead of it like a chore or a job. Yeah. You know, it became like, wow, this is this is really awesome and yeah. ingredients and tastes and stuff. So uh, thank you for people like you in culinary school. <laughs> <laughs> well, my pleasure. <laughs> so, so tell us about the first class. I mean, what, what were you doing? You get your knives. Was it like a basic one where they do the knife skills and stocks and sauces, or how was that? And what did you, what did you do? Tell us a story. Uh, no, it was not that. It was the my first class ever. And let me just set the backdrop. We're talking Montpelier, Vermont, and I don't know why I did this. But there, you had the option of, of enrolling in the winter session or the spring. And I chose winter, partly because I was so excited to get started, right? I'm like, how cold could it be? Don't right? want to wait. <laughs> and my first class, we had to be there. I, th- I want to say it was quarter of five. Maybe it was 4.30. We had to be there. It was an AM cafeteria class, right? Mm-hmm. And we, were, we were producing the food for Vermont College. And I'll never forget walking to my first class. It was negative seven degrees and I'm walking up this hill. And, um, you know, it's funny because a month prior I had been on base camp of Mount Everest and I, I, that was completely another story. But I remember uh, this experienced hiker that was, I was walking with one day and he was talking about, you know, when it gets really hard hiking, you just got to focus on one step at a time, like really just focus on your steps, Right. And kind of find your rhythm, find your flow. 
um, and find your focus, right? And it's funny, I remember thinking about that as I was walking to my first class and, and try to almost like psych myself up because I was full of nerves, right? It's also freezing cold. I'm walking up this hill and I'm thinking about that lesson, you know, in the Himalayas just a month prior. And I want to say that that lesson, you know, that one step at a time and that kind of um, that honing in on that focus has served me all these years. Wow. Um, and it's been a, it's been a beautiful thing, but anyways, I digress because I want to get to this, this amazing, uh, guy, chef Joe, and this amazing course, uh, that, that on the surface was AM cafeteria, but this guy was an incredible storyteller an incredible leader. Um, he had led like really, really high end, um, yachts. Um, he, he oversaw a, uh, a staff of over a hundred on these yachts that would go and, and um, they were like multimillionaires and stuff. And that would, that would go seasonally with him. Wow. And um, he would tell, he would, he would have a lecture before we started, which is why we had to be there so early. And I was on the edge of my seat, just like listening to this guy's stories. And I'm like, Oh my God, like so many adventures, right. Just because he, you know, because he's a cook and because he's, he's living it and because he's living his passion. And, you know, and that stuck with me as well. Cause I, I was bright eyed and be like, wow, I could do whatever I want with this career right? I can go see the world. And, and that ended up being true, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that AM cafeteria was, was a trip. Um, and there was, there was so much to learn because it was like, it wasn't just, you know, here's the technique. It's like, you know, now go apply it for a batch of, you know, 300, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was awesome. That was good. What was his last name? Do you know? Give him a shout out. I'm completely blanking right now, but it'll come back to me. How about other chefs up there? Did any other ones have an impact on your? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, chef Emma stands stands out. Emma Cutler, um, which Chef Emma, if you're listening, I love you and I miss you. <laughs> um, chef Emma, you know she was the this perfect mix of loving and technically so skilled, an amazing cook, but also like I don't want to say even like strict, but like hey, like. You're gonna show up here, and you're gonna you're gonna work hard. We're gonna do this right, right? And I'll never forget. I was um, in her class. We were producing a lot of soups and like big batch cooking as well. And I was emptying out a stock pot um, that had been shocked already. And I was about to start washing it without having wiped it out with a rubber spatula. And she caught me, and it was like you know because this wasn't inherent in me yet, right? I'll never forget that lesson. And you better believe. I have never, not even in my own home, could could not scrape out a pot, right? Another thing from Chef Emma, I, I, um, I actually, uh, she caught me going to the bathroom with an apron on, Ooh. right? Also, <laughs> like, I, I, she may have said it, but it was just, it wasn't, like, in tune. And, um, and, and I went in the bathroom, came out, and she was just waiting for me, ah. right? She was waiting for me to come out. And those little things, and, you know, she took the time to do that. She could have just walked on, right? They stuck with me because it's like you do things right. You know, there, there, okay, there are a myriad ways of doing things, but there's definitely a right way. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, these little they really, really did add up, and and they led to you know, not just me being eventually the chef that I wanted to be as I was growing as a cook, but also the man that I wanted to be. Right. Like, mm-hmm. decide what you stand for. You know, decide why it is that you're that you're showing up to your job every day or showing up to this world, you know, every day. So it really helped me. Those, those early days at Nike helped me kind of define my why 
and define my, my, not just my work values, my personal value system for sure. Um, there's so many more chef Hale, um, who is the, the executive chef at the time was incredible. He always took the time. He and I played basketball a lot actually together. Um, chef Bob, who sadly has, uh, he passed away years back was an incredible influence on me. So measured, but also, um, you know, he really, he really kind of asked us to, to really focus on taste. Like taste and flavor was, was one of the classes that he, that he, uh, that stood out in my mind. Um, and, and to pay attention to nuance, which was such, I was so fascinated at the time. Like I, there was this one exercise where he had us boil carrots and at five different times, like from one minute to, I don't know, 15 minutes and then shock and then just taste them all. Right. And it's like, whoa, you know, time, temperature, like those two, those two alone, like, uh, as an early education, it was really fascinating. So yeah. Yeah. Chef Andre also an amazing teacher. I mean, yeah. The, uh, yeah, I could go on, but, um, I think that's a good start. What do you think about culinary school now looking back, you know, was it, was it worth it? I mean, it sounds like it was, was your turn on investment and how do you view it as a chef looking back at your start of your career? A hundred percent worth it. A hundred percent worth it. Um, could people go on and have successful careers without, without, of course, and they do, right? Mm -hmm. For me, it's hard to say because having gone through it and having such a rich experience and, and also feeling like I, I, I learned so well, like I felt so capable. Mm -hmm. And I showed up to my first internship. I had no restaurant experience. My first internship was at a Todd English's flagship uh, olives is, is kind of OG olives in Charleston, Charlestown. Okay. Yeah. Boston. And I got thrown into the wood fire grill and oven station. I had to not, not just like cook on a station. I had to manage two fires, right. And keep them going and cook all these proteins to temp. And, and it was, it was still the hardest job I've ever had. Right. But I figured it out and I showed up and I, I and speaking of nerves, I would get, you know, get there super early you know, not, did not get paid and clock in early, but like just to set up my station, you know, cause of all the nerves, but I, I just wanted to be ready. Um, and I just cared so much about it. And, um, yeah. And I felt ready because of my education and because of my incredible chef instructors and also the team that I was and the crew that I was going through, uh, the education with, it was really, really invaluable. Awesome. Now, I sadly, I heard that you know Necky has closed, like many yep. other culinary schools these days. And what do you what do you think's going on with culinary schools and industry? And what's going to replace them, or is there going to be a vacuum? Is there going to be a hole in the careers and the industry? I don't know. I I don't know. I I understand. I understand part of it. I understand it's an ex, it, it's an expensive model. Yeah, I suppose right. But you know, expense like we like food systems can can be manipulated and it can be artificial, right? The reason why the cheap food that is cheap in America and across the world is cheap because it's subsidized, right? Because somebody's investing a lot of big money in keeping that system the way it is, right? Right. And a lot of higher education is kind of subsidized. You've got these really wealthy institutions that are also expensive to run, but they're increasingly wealthy. So I'm not sure there's generally enough value placed on food yeah. still, and and get and 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 getting food right, not just for kind of our craft and for our art, but for for human consumption, yeah. right? There's not enough emphasis on it. So I, I can see in this climate where food is kind of has been this kind of, you know, 
kind of kind of cast aside as not essential, which is which is incredible, right? We've 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 put higher education on this pedestal. Why shouldn't food be right there, right? Right. So I, I think it's part of that, and you know that's why I show up and do what I do, and that's why I've built this online course. It's because I believe in this value shift. I believe in the power of it on an individual and a home level, but on a community level as well. And I see it as necessary. Yeah, it's true. A lot of people are saying, you know, apprentices or a combination of that. But I know I've worked in many institutions and, you know, it's expensive. They can only get 15, 20 in a lab. You have to buy all the food and they want to have a lecture hall of a couple hundred and they really want to emphasize research and they don't really think it's a, you know, a proper academia type study. It's more of a hand. So you can see where it could get pushed down and get lost. And, and you know, and that's probably the money, the financial is causing many of these institutions to close, which is unfortunate. And hopefully they will be subsidized by the state or companies that see the value in it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or if, you know, the consumers can, can run that as well. And there can be this push back to this value of making our own food. Mm -hmm. Right. And I see, I see the invest, a lot of the investments and where they're headed. And I'm scared for a lot of that, to be honest, a lot of the kind of industrialized products, like the uh, like beyond meat. No offense to like I don't want to call anyone out, but um, a lot of the, like I don't. That's not a solution, right? You know, and and for and a lot of the investment is only perpetuating a disconnect with our food and our food systems, right? So you know, there's definitely an opportunity here, and I can see a future where culinary schools are revived because people care. Right. And they're like, you know, it's fine to do all the research you want, but you need humans that understand how to produce food with their hands. Right. right? And I, I will go to my grave believing that that's essential. Mm -hmm. Right. Whether it be in a home environment, whether it be parents learning how to cook real food for their kids, which is my passion, but extending out to what that means for a community to understand where food comes from and understand all the nuance and the implications of how their food was produced and then also understand and, and have a deeper understanding because they get to those raw ingredients and they play with them every day in their home kitchens. Yeah, so true. I mean, you think of just like, you know, charcuterie or sausage making, you know, it's it's cheaper and better if you could make those things yourself, but it's becoming a lost art because yep. you know what's in there, but maybe for the convenience, you buy it already prepared, but what's in there and how much did you have to pay? Yeah. And once you find out, as you mentioned, how easy it is to do these things, yep. you know, you can do yep. a much better job and, you know, get your family involved. A hundred percent. And that, that sausage, you don't have to worry about reading a bunch of ingredients and realize that there's, you know, seven different preservatives, right? Chemical preservatives. And it was yeah. made in a factory across the country or even across the world. Like, and this is why certain foods have a bad rap from a health standpoint, it's because they're, it's all out of context. You know, when it's, right. when it's industrialized, it gets kind of lost, right? And you have to put the chemical preservatives to make it safe, you know, and all that. Yeah. yeah when we, when we can, when we can take, take the reins, right. And own it and learn how to make these things ourselves. Yeah. We control the context hundred percent. And of course, deepen the connection. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, food playing a big role in our lives and how important it is for people to learn to cook. Maybe talk to talk to us a little bit more about that and tell us, tell the audience, people, the listeners, if they're not cooking, why they should be. Okay. So I, and, and if anyone is listening, right, please, please, please don't uh, take anything I say as, as me kind of uh, like shaming, right? Because this is a, this is a, such a personal topic. You know, and we all have our own histories with food. And, you know, look, 
when I was a kid. And I, and I, I prefaced uh, early on talking about my upbringing and my love of food, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't wasn't all amazing. You know, I was a child in New England in the 80s and 90s, and I loved and look forward to like McDonald's on a Saturday, right? When my dad would get like bacon, egg and cheese biscuits, right? I can still taste it. I loved it, right? <laughs> but my, my balance was definitely off because of that. I definitely had a little too much of that stuff. And that was my own journey. And that was my realization that, hey, food plays a, a real role here. And if I want to like feel good in my body, if I want to have energy in school or whatever it is that I'm showing up for, it's, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate and I'm going to look into this, right? So ultimately, and I, I come at this from right now from a parent perspective, right? Because I'm working with parents that are trying to just show up every day and make healthy food for their kids. I see it as a responsibility now to at least understand where our food is coming from and the implications of our buying decisions, right? For our own health, for our kids' health, and then of course, expanding out, you know, for our environmental health, okay? You know, what are the ecosystems around us look like, right? And there's so much buzz around, you know, sustainability, right? And our, and our planet and, and what's viable, right? What better way to start to learn and pay close attention than to start to make our own food, right? And start to really interact with those decisions on a daily basis, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I'm not the only one to say this, of course, every decision we're making is a vote no matter what, okay? So when we go to the grocery store, you're either, you know, voting for a perpetually toxic system that does not support human health, nor is it delicious, you know, right. or another system that improves lives, improves the environment, and is so damn good. Mm-hmm. So delicious, like full of such opportunity, right? Um, I, so I see that as, as a really meaningful act and one that, that doesn't have to be, you know, so hard, right? But it takes us kind of reflecting. And this is what I, I do in this cooking course that I'll talk about later. The first thing I have people do is kind of reflect and meditate or journal on that question. What, what do I want out of food in my life? What do I want my food rhythms to look like in my home and why? What's important to me, right? From, from this standpoint, okay? And so I see this as a massive opportunity because food informs all of it. You know, the food that you eat on a daily basis, it impacts every aspect of your life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's not, just, it's not just from the health standpoint, but it's also like all the energy around it. Like, are you stressed out getting dinner on the table? What is that like in the home? Yeah. You know, like, what is that like for your kids? Or your spouse, if you don't, or your partner, if you don't have kids, right? Or for yourself, if you're stressing out over these decisions, right? So um, I see it as a very exciting opportunity to grow as a human, right? And and let food be a backdrop for exploration for all of that stuff that can be so messy in our lives. Yeah, so true. That's what I have a YouTube channel too. It's Wicked Easy Cooking, and basically Wicked Easy. I grew up in Maine, yeah. so there's the Wicked Easy. But yeah. it's also the show that food is easy, and it started because. I would get so many phone calls from my own family. My sister's like, how do you cook this? How do you cook this? So I was like, I want to get rid of that intimidation and fear and show that cooking's not rocket science. Just get in and have fun and change it up. It's, it's, not a, it's just a guide, those recipes. Have, have your own taste, your own customization. And so it's, it's been a big hit. And, and it just try to get people back to the stove, back to the kitchen, back to you know making food for themselves. That's beautiful. I agree 100%. 100%. 
And so why don't we talk about your course then? It seems like a good opening right here. What it, what is, how is someone can find out about it, but tell us about what it is and what it would bring to them if, if they you know, joined in. Yeah. Yeah. So people are actually going through the first round of this course that I've just launched uh, a few weeks ago, and it will be available again to sign up uh, come April. I'm actually getting so much amazing feedback from the people that are going through now. But the, the impetus really, it's, it's more of a reset and an, an invitation to reset um, and, and kind of look at, at your own home kitchen, right? And get clear, just like I mentioned before, get clear on you know, what it is that you want moving forward. Mm-hmm. So we start with that process where we actually do that, where I invite people to deep clean their kitchens, go through their pantries, like look at, look at stuff that they have, you know, and ask them. It's like, do I even want this in my life anymore, right? What is this stuff <laughs> you know, that I've been eating? Get really, really clean and organized. And then I kind of provide my personal framework for how I approach sourcing in the kitchen. And I, and I have this video that I, I love um, for like how to put, you know, groceries away like a pro. Because part of this process, once you get clear on what you want, part of it's kind of like thinking like a cook, right? Just to make your life easier, to kind of create more flow in this area. And I think this is where a lot of people struggle, it, you know, where like they're opening their fridge on a Tuesday night and it's like, wh- where do I start, right? Mm. Where it's like, Colin... You and I have spent years in kitchens. It's like, imagine showing up on a, a Wednesday at the restaurant. There's no prep, like right. nothing's put away properly in the walk-in, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's like there's systems in place, okay? And we can, we can definitely have that bleed into the home environment. Just from like, you know, when you take home a bag of parsley, it's like, let's take that rubber band off there. Let's wash that parsley and spin it dry and put it away really nice. And then, you know what? You open the fridge the next day. It's like, oh yeah, I already did that. Yeah. It's ready to just chop, right? Or... Mm-hmm. Before, you know, I I took home, you know, a a steak last night or lamb chops. I opened it up. I put a quick marinade on it. It's in Pyrex. It's ready to go. It's already, it's in the, it's in the glass that I'm going to, or in the the pan that I'm going to roast it in, you know, little things to where it's like, oh yeah. It's like, you know, there's rituals during the week. There's thought process. And then once we start to, to layer that, then, then we open up to the creativity. It's like, well, where do I want to take dinner tonight? What part of the world do I want to go to? What, what do I want to, where do I want to explore? Because that, that baseline stuff that used to be stressful, is taken care of now, right? Mm-hmm. Which is true in like our lives. It's like a lot of the messy stuff, if we can clean up, we kind of feel freer to just, and more expansive. So anyways, that's, that's the, the energetic piece of the course, but the course itself is really kind of for beginners. So I walk them through, it's a five-week course. Week one is about getting organized. I talk about mise en place, even how to just like set up your cutting board and, and basically how to set up their, their workstation at home. Mm. And then we, we, we get into knife skills week one. Uh, week two, we get into some of the basics, uh, like making your own mayonnaise, making your own um, vinaigrettes, clarifying butter. We get into egg cookery and meat cookery. And then we kind of, by, by week five, we're putting kind of the pieces together for an average plate, you know, in my home. And by the end of, you know, five weeks, my hope is that it's not about a bunch of recipes that, you know, you watched and you followed. It's after those five weeks, after cooking with me, you know, through these lessons, it's not hard. Right. It's, it's exactly what you describe. You realize it's like, wow, I can do all this stuff. I'm not, I don't need to go buy salad dressing, yeah. you know, on aisle seven anymore, right? I make it myself and I, and I have an understanding of where the stuff's coming from and control of the ingredients. And I'm excited to explore. And, 
And so that's, it's really a starter course, but it's, it's an, it's a real opportunity to kind of refresh and refocus and, and get very clear on where we want to go with food. Excellent. Sounds awesome. Is it live with you or is there videos or is it a combination or? So this, this iteration of the course, it's all film videos. Um, but there are five live, live, uh, cooking classes that are happening. So the next version will have recordings of these five classes, um, in addition. All right. I always want to have a live component. Um, so we'll see in April, even if it's like a live call once a week an opportunity for Q and A's for, for, you know, catching up, for talking about pain points or, you know, so we can troubleshoot together. And part of this also, you know, I have a a very diverse group in the class, you know, everywhere from um, people in their 60s at at home cooking for themselves to a medical student in Massachusetts, actually, that's really interested in food as medicine. So people are coming at it from different angles, other people that are really trying to reset and get healthy. So I do want to have a community calls where we can hold, hold space for the different reasons why people are being involved. Yeah. Very good. So where could someone check this out? Is there a website already set up or do they have to wait till April? Yeah. So they can go to my website. It's cookandlive.co. Um, you could also follow me on Instagram, Chef Aaron Goldstein. I also have a YouTube uh, channel, Cook and Live with Chef Aaron. All those places. Instagram is really a great, a great place because I'm, I'm doing weekly videos with my son, um, trying to just kind of have fun in the kitchen and, and, you know, especially if you've got young kids, you know, this is an opportunity to engage with them and get them interested in the cooking process. I find that if he's in the kitchen with me, he's much more likely to try different things. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it's super fun. That's great. And I will put all those links in the show notes. So if anyone's listening and you can go back and look at those and they'll all be there in clickable links uh, for that. I want to take a quick pause at this halfway point in the show and tell you about our culinary media training workshops. Whether you want to cook or prepare food and drink on television, make YouTube videos, or do demonstrations in front of live audiences, our comprehensive culinary media training workshops will teach you the skills you need to do it with confidence. Drawing on years of experience working with and teaching both students and professionals about television, radio, and print media, our workshops focus on realistic and practical tips, tools, and techniques in order to transform you into a better communicator, demonstrator, and presenter. In our workshops, we cover a variety of topics, such as basic media training, how to prepare for your presentation, and how to perform a successful demonstration, and a whole lot more. Our live and in-person workshops are completely hands-on. Participants spend the day under the lights, mic'd up, and in front of the camera, conducting actual food presentations and culinary demonstrations of various lengths while being coached and critiqued throughout the process. So, what are you waiting for? Be a better presenter, be a better you, and enroll today at foodmedianetwork.com slash courses. That's foodmedianetwork.com slash courses. Our workshops are offered at various locations around the country on a variety of dates throughout the year, in both commercial kitchens and in our home studio kitchens. 
We also offer both individual and private group workshops. So if you or someone you know might be interested, you can get more information on the workshops, including dates, locations, pricing, and how to enroll by going to our webpage at foodmedianetwork.com slash courses, foodmedianetwork.com slash courses. You can also join our email list at foodmedianetwork.com slash contact, which is where we always announce new workshops, courses, and their upcoming dates. That's foodmedianetwork.com slash contact. Okay, so now back to the show. So why don't we talk about Portugal? How did you get there? Why are you there? And tell us how that got you from maybe Vermont or Massachusetts, wherever you might have been at the time, or how yeah. you ended up in Portugal. Yeah. So, so interestingly, what my second internship at New England Culinary was about a five-minute drive from where I live right now. Oh. Just by in this funny way the world works, right? I found this job on Craigslist <laughs> like back in the day, and. You know, I, I had wanted to go to Italy, um, which was a completely long story, but it fell through and I was adamant I was going to leave the country no matter what, because it was, I had this dream of using cooking as a ticket to just see the world. And so I had spent um, a summer here, geez, 2006, I think it was 2007. But anyways, I was living in Massachusetts and uh, had this opportunity to go to Northern Italy, to Piemonte, to uh, be the chef at this new school project that was opening up. So a year and a half ago, we were there and I was cooking for these kids in this incredible forest school concept. Mm. And the, the approach was just like a whole food approach wow. uh, to cooking for these kids and just getting them used to everything, just real food, right? We didn't believe, and I don't believe that there's kids food and adult food, right? Um, there's just really nourishing food. And so that was an amazing experience. I mean, we were, I was going to the, the butcher and asking him to grind in different offal to like ground, ground meat that I would make for ragu on, on Fridays, we would have tripe because this butcher was amazing and how he had this tripe terrine basically and I would just slice it thin and do it with olive oil and sea salt and put little toothpicks. <laughs> and they loved it. It was like this nice gelatinous bite. So like, that was an amazing experience to kind of play with with and, and push the envelope and see, you know, what can we do here? Yeah. Um, and I learned so much about cooking for kids in that, in that process. But, you know, Italy in the end, I love Italy, but Northern Italy in particular, once it kind of gets cold and the winter sets in, we were definitely landlocked. We were just kind of dreaming of sun and beach. And, um, and we had been here before uh, on vacation a couple of years prior, my wife and my son. And uh, we just, we hopped on over first to Lisbon. And now we're on the Southern coast um, where it's just like, you know, we're five minutes from the beach. There's sun all year round. Um, there's incredible wild seafood, of course, sure. really, really amazing products. Um so we're happy here and we're, we're, I'm, I'm really excited to use this as a backdrop for my creations, my content. And, and that the course that I filmed is filmed on site here. A lot of it's outdoors, right? Um, this is, this, this place lends itself beautifully for that. So yeah, yeah. here we are. <laughs> That's great. Great. So you just mentioned the terrines and the tripe and the things for the students. So how, is that how you cook? for picky eaters? Is that how you try to get them to try different things is to change its form or not tell them what it is or? 
Well, so interestingly, you know, my son, he's, I don't, I wouldn't describe him as a picky eater. Um, and I, I think there, there are kids that are just, just have, have grown up in an environment and, and this is, again, this is not to shame anyone mm -hmm. by any means. And this is not to say that kids don't also inherently have their own likes and dislikes because I'm one of five and we all have different approaches to food, mm -hmm. right? Actually all very, very different, which is fascinating. Um, but a lot of kids just grow up in there. They eat what they're used to. Right. And, and the parents do have an opportunity to kind of shape their habits, right. And their likes and dislikes and tendencies. Right. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that wherever you're at, you don't have an opportunity to make shifts. Okay. And, and I really believe and going back to getting our kids in the kitchen, if we can involve them in the process and normalize only bringing in real nourishing food to the home environment, what do you have to lose? It, you know, it doesn't matter what they eat as long as what you're bringing in is good, right? Get, get creative, shift things. You know, one, one thing that I love to do is serve food, serve dinner family style, right? And have a bunch of different stuff. <laughs> so it's not like, here's your dinner, you know, take it or leave it. It's like, let's eat dinner and like, just take whatever it is that, you know, and I'll, stuff. So I'll play around with dishes and I want to, I do want to make sure there's enough kind of, especially like protein and fat and kind of sustenance in, in a lot of different dishes. So we'll have, um, a lot of options and, and then just kind of try not to have stress over it. Try not like, right. he's also, you know, a really intelligent being. And if his body's telling him he doesn't want something like maybe, maybe we can learn to trust that, you know, mm -hmm. and if we can just keep on showing up and just keep on putting, putting the good stuff around and have it, have that be our normal, then they're going to come around and they're going to eat when they're hungry. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my approach which isn't easy. Like I stress over it sometimes and I have to catch myself. It's like, look, zoom out, you know, what does the week look like? What does the month look like that? Like, and also, you know, keep exploring. Yeah, right. Maybe you just, maybe you're, you're just in a rut and maybe you just haven't tried something new. I mean, it's infinite what we could be cooking. Right. right? And it's like you mentioned, it's that they're blank canvas. Some of these things just maybe change the flavor profile and the, and this, picky eater, the kid, whatever, totally. may like it because, you know, it's still that piece of chicken or that vegetable, but by changing it up, yeah. putting it on broccoli, giving it a different, I mean, putting it on a pizza or putting it on a different dip with it, seasonings, it could change. Totally. And totally. The, the whole normal is so true because like my sons, I didn't force them, but just because they were around me and they see me cooking and they want to cook with me. And then they go out to a restaurant and they'll say fries or chips or what would you like? And they'll say broccoli. And the wait staff will be like, whoa, that's a kid. Yeah. And I'll be like, well, it's not that we forced them. They could have those things if they want. They just choose it because that's how we cook it at home. Yep. Yep. And, and I'm sure Colin, you know, you're just enjoying that food and you have a natural enthusiasm and joy around that process. Right. Right. And, and I'm sure your kids picked up on that. It's like, well, yeah. dad loves it. I'm, I yeah. want to try. Right. <laughs> and I think that is definitely, that's, that's something that we can take with us. It's like, the more we're like, try this, try this, try this. It's stressful, right? Like right. our kids, they're autonomous. They want to they want to own those decisions. Right. So let them, mm -hmm. let us kind of, you know, create that, you know, you don't, you, we don't want to be like force fed anything as adults. <laughs> no. Right. And it's so true too. Sometimes it's just, it's the convenience. And as you said, do the prep ahead of time or whatever you need. Cause they'll come home from school. My, my kid, my youngest one is 10 and he'll go grab a box of Cheez-Its or something like that. And a little snack thing, but he just doing it cause it's easy. Yeah. But I will say, Hey, can I cut you up an apple? 
and I'll cut them up and he'll eat it or grapes or he loves cucumbers. I slice them up a little bit of salt and pepper on them and I give him a plate and go, hey, you want a snack? And I don't force it. I don't say, don't eat that, eat this, but I just give it to him. He'll go, sure, and he'll just eat that instead. So it's just kind of making it part of that routine, part of that normalcy. I love that. And I also love that, Colin, that he he can make those decisions for himself, right? Because he's going to come to his own conclusion. And it, you know, if someday he he looks at those cheeses and it's like, ah, they, these I don't really want these anymore. They make me feel like crap, right? right? Then that's on him, and that's his decision. Like that's that's that was my journey, right? And so that, I applaud you for for creating that environment. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, and, that, and he and like you said, he, he they like to cook. Get the kids in the kitchen because mine, you know, I have a YouTube channel. They can I be on your video? Sure, you know, come on in, and I'll let them whenever they want. I don't force them to be in it. I don't want them to push them away. Like yeah. oh, I had to do this, but when they ask, that door is always open. Like come on in, and now he'll be like. Hey, can I make you a smoothie, Dad? And I'd be like, sure, even if I don't want one. Yeah. He's asking, the door is open, go make it, and it's going to be good because I know he's trying to be creative. He's trying to use those fresh fruits and stuff instead of those processed things. That's gold. I love it. Great. So let's talk about for the listeners out there, you know, like when they see organic or when they see things like that on labels and they think, well, See, I can still get processed food, but I can buy it because it says it's all natural or no cholesterol. Well, what do you say to that? Um, well, if anyone's kind of asking those questions, that's great. Like if, if, if there's the curiosity, I think that's an awesome first, right? Because it's, that's just opening the door. It's opening the window. Mm-hmm. And, and what I would just encourage people is to keep on exploring, right? Keep on reading, you know, read articles, follow people that are talking about you know, organics and, and, and food systems, right? Because there's a lot going on here, right? But I would say also, like, don't stress over it, you know, mm-hmm. especially at first. And I also understand, of course, we understand, like, people are coming at this from different economic status, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, also from different availability status, depending on where we're living. There are people that don't even have any fresh food, let alone organic, right? So true. In some of these food deserts, right? So I, I, I do believe everyone's doing the best. Now, this does kind of go back to that, that conversation about our values. And I know that this is perhaps a luxury for a lot of people to even get to the process to where they're asking those questions, because some people are just trying to get food on the table, right? A lot of people in the world. And I understand that. Now, for everyone that is, that is at the place that can ask those questions and has the luxury to maybe invest a little bit more in the organic or, um, or or in their local farm, even better that maybe isn't certified organic, but you can talk to the farmer and the owners and you know that they're approaching it in a responsible way. That vote means something, right? Because we're, again, we're, we're putting our dollars where we believe we want the world to go to. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying before, the price of all these things really is artificial. So if we want to move the needle and we want better, healthier food for us and the planet, for those of us that have that that option and that luxury, I think that's an opportunity, right? I'm not saying that you have to do it, but it's a, it's a definite opportunity if you want a more nutritious and nourishing world and a, definitely a cleaner one. Yeah. You know, there's all this talk about climate change, and um, I think there's not enough not enough conversation about just toxicity and and the the the, the real hard facts about the cleanliness of our soil and our water and our air. I mean, that's to me the biggest issue, right? And, and it's like, what, what kind of world do we want? And 
it's not doom and gloom because I see it. If we can just decide we want, I mean, we, if we decide we want a better, cleaner world, then let's, let's really like, let's take action. And I think there's no better way to take action than to, to invest with your own dollars or euros or whatever it is, your, your currency, you know? Um, I don't even know where, where we started with that question. Oh, I guess like, you know, shopping organic and things like that. Is organic, is organic worth it? They may be thinking, should I pay the extra dollar? Yeah, so, so again, there's so much nuance here, right? And some of the big box organic, you know, there's a there's potentially a lot of shady stuff happening. And 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 we should, but but again, we have the opportunity to put pressure on the regulatory agencies, on the government, and where it's subsidizing. And you know, we have the 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 opportunity to write to our legislators and say, I don't really, I don't support this bill, or I want to see changes in the farm bill, or like, and, and again, like, so we can do that, but we can the day to day and where we're spending you know, seeking out those local farm stands or the the local, like there's this place in Worcester, um, Maker to Maine, that's just like this incredible store. And, sh- and the founder is so passionate about sourcing from people that just produce food deliberately, right? For like, like real purpose, you know, purpose-driven farmers and artisans, right? They want to make food that means something. Now, this is my value shift, right? That I made. I want to support people that really care, that that approach their craft in that deliberate manner with love, right? And I believe kind of everything's energy, right? And I I, I want to support those that are putting their energy that kind of matches my vibe. And I, I don't vibe with the big box store, even the big box store organic. Although if I have just the option, I will go for organic um, versus conventional. Um, so again, going back, it's just like, get curious, mm-hmm. start down that road, keep reading, keep buying, buying the different products than um, you can. Um, and if you can't afford something now, you know, make it your goal. If you want to, so if you if, make that a goal in your life, right? We have different goal systems and value systems that, you know, when we're growing up, it's like, we want that nice car. We want, we want to live in that neighborhood and have that house. Right. Mm-hmm. And we go and make that happen in our life. But how many of us are asking I want to be able to buy whatever food I want that's as healthy for me and my family as possible. And I'm going to go make that happen first, right? That's an option that we have. You know, we can organize our lives around getting food right first, and then the rest will fall into place. I I think that's, that's an exciting approach. Yeah, it's true. We do vote with our, you know, obviously voting for politicians and laws, but we also vote with our dollar, as you mentioned. And by where you spend it may not have an effect as one, but more and more that do that, businesses are going to listen because they're in it to make money. And if something is not selling, it's not going to get that shelf space where other things will because you know they want to provide those if they can do it at a profit. So yeah. we're just, I guess, just thinking about that, being aware of it and, and utilizing that where you can, yeah. it's just those yeah. little small baby steps. Yeah, let people get rich and produce the most amazing food. Yeah. Right? Let that happen. Right. <laughs> well, great. Well, if there's people out there listening that want more information, obviously they can go out there and find resources. But you sound like a resource. Can people reach out to you? How would they get a hold of you? People can absolutely reach out to me. Feel free to even just DM me if you've got questions. I get stuff all the time through Instagram. Uh, email me, get on my newsletter. You know, that's where I kind of expand on a lot of my content that I may be sharing on, on YouTube or uh, or on Instagram. But if people are, are really struggling in this area, I also do one-on-one coaching. Um, and I say one-on-one because it can also be like one family kind of at a time um, or couples. So um, 
actually recently was working with uh, an older couple um, that was just really looking at their health um, and just wanting to make changes. So we, we do weekly cooking classes, live cooking classes, and we talk about food. And, and so there's a lot of different ways that um, you can interact with me for sure. Um, from, you know, real one-on-one coaching to just kind of getting, getting tuned into the content I'm producing. And of course, stay tuned for the next version of uh, my cooking course that's going to be happening in April, which I'm so excited about. Awesome. And again, I'll put all those links in the show notes for anyone listening that wants to reach out or just follow you or, you know, for the future, or maybe take one of those of the classes or what you develop after that, they'll have access to that. Well, as we come to the end of the chat today, before we wrap up, is there any last minute advice or guidance you want to leave with the listeners or if someone decided to go to culinary school or go into this industry or just about food in general, anything that you would say to them? Uh, well, for the for the kids, I shouldn't say kids, for, for anyone that's, that's thinking about making this career and diving into culinary school or just diving into a professional kitchen, I would treat things similarly. I would get really, really clear on why it is that you're doing that and get really clear on what's most important to you. Because I think that will really, that'll really dictate the experience, right? Um, and I think that'll, that'll really, having that clarity will really help you in the day-to-day, right? Because it's not easy work. Mm-hmm. But if we are really, really sound on our why and why we're doing it, right? And, and, and really, and this is, this is kind of a tough one, but really not making it about ourselves, you know? It, being able to kind of get outside ourselves, right? And just be able to, to hone in on our craft and, and what it is that we're trying to bring to the world through that work. I think that looking back in my restaurant days was when I was just really in flow and just really kind of like feeling creative and feeling happy to do that work. And that's also the place where the creativity can just explode to where we just know exactly what it is that we're doing and why. And we just can't wait to keep on exploring and expressing it in different ways. Right now I'm talking to, you know, the people that might be interested in having this be their career, but really I think it's the same for parents cooking for their kids, or even if you're solo, you know, wanting to shake things up or change your relationship with food in in your home right i think we can do that same thing so if there's any big takeaway it's to just reflect you know what it is that you want out of this life you know and and how how does food tie into all that right and i think that if that from that from that exploration maybe not maybe you maybe you still want to just eat out every night which that's cool if that's you right but I think that a lot of us, if we go through that exercise, we'll discover that there's exciting, there's an exciting world for us to tap into that's really, really infinite and helps us, you know, reach our potential. Good, good advice. So as we wrap up, what's next for you? Where do you see yourself going? You're gonna stay there, you're gonna move again. What do you five years long term? What's your what's your long-term plan? Uh, I definitely want to continue to travel, but I kind of see myself, I, we, we see ourselves kind of being here and I still, like, there's so many friends uh, that I have in the States and they're working on so many projects that I really want to be a part of and support. Um, you know, I'm really big on food systems and community building. So look for, for, for definitely more courses because I, I always want to be building that. But I'm also so fascinated, Colin, with getting behind camera and inspiring, mm. um, 
through kind of filmmaking. So the, the videographer that I'm working with Olaf here in, in the Algarve is so incredible. Um, and so we, ha- and we have a lot of ideas on how we want to create, a, we kind of want to tag team the, the educational with, you know, the inspirational stuff and using not just Portugal, but hopefully soon Morocco and Spain. And I want to kind of travel a bit and produce more of a show um, that I'm so excited about, but um, we'll see, you know, whatever it is, if it's helping people to cook delicious and nourishing food, and if it's for helping people connect more to food and connect more with the people they love through food, then I am happy. That's great. Well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. I want to first thank you, Aaron, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. I appreciate your time and your insight and on your honesty. Thank you, Chef. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to to flip this for the podcast that I want to make someday and and get you on. It was really a pleasure. Awesome. Well, I have a course, you know that, Introduction to Podcasting for the Hospitality Professional. So you can take that anytime. It's free. And if I can be your guest, I would love to do it. Awesome. I'm going to have to write that down. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Talk soon. I appreciate it. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome, and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207-835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you. And that is to share the podcast with everyone you know. And to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next culinary school story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.